is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Man, every day. Every day, there's new things, old things, just a lot of things. Paul Ryan has announced that he is not going to run for re-election. I've got a lot to say about this, but let's first hear what, what he actually had to say. Actually, before we hear what he actually had to say, what is it, three weeks ago, Mr. Producer, give or take? Here's what I said. Cut one, go. Let me make a prediction to you, not because I'm in the prediction business, because I believe this. I think Paul Ryan will retire soon, if not after this term, after the next one. This is so reckless, so reckless. I just can't believe that anybody claims to be a conservative who worked at a conservative think tank before he was elected to the House of Representatives really believes that this will uh, strengthen his career in the House. In fact, this bill was 2,232 pages. That's just, that's appalling. See, I don't think that uh, Paul Ryan is resigning because he's tired of being speaker and all the spin that's out there. This spending bill that passed in March, around March 22nd, was disastrous for the country and the Republican Party. Because the people running for re-election cannot say they're fiscal conservatives anymore unless they voted against it. And so they don't have a lot to run on. They can run on tax cuts, but they can't run on being fiscally serious people when they voted to spend more than Barack Obama ever proposed. They can't run on repealing Obamacare this time because they didn't. They repealed a very, very small part of it involving individuals. But that leaves 85% of the rest of the population of the country. And they wouldn't repeal it. And then, of course, the southern border is not secure. They said they would secure it. They said they would support money for a wall. They supported money for everything, including Planned Parenthood. But there is no money for a new wall. None. And it reached the point, and we pointed out on this program, where Paul Ryan was sounding like a leftist. He was into the class warfare argument when it came to the tax cuts. Now, I've talked to Paul Ryan from time to time, not lately, that's for sure. He's a very nice man. He's a very nice man. And I do believe he's a man of great integrity. I do not believe either of those things with Mitch McConnell. But Paul Ryan, as Speaker of the House, had a responsibility to do more than he did. And you cannot say that he had great accomplishments when, in fact, he did not. Obamacare is now here to stay. And we have now deficits going forward at a trillion dollars a year. The Congressional Budget Office, which is actually moderate to left when it comes to its predictions, is predicting come 2024 
the interest on our debt will be bigger than spending on national defense each year. The spending bills and the tax bills are to come out of the House of Representatives first. He had a working majority. But to the extent he did, and he should have put down the left in his party, not the right. But that's not what he did. The Republicans are likely to get heavily whacked in this election. And of course, there'll be efforts to blame the president. And yet the president of the United States, when he won his election, the Republicans didn't lose the House. The Republicans didn't lose the Senate. Did they? And he hasn't changed one bit. So what's changed? A number of things. The media. The media is constant drumbeat for people who really aren't focused in on events and issues and politics. And there was so much, we thought, promising that would come out of the Republican Congress, and it didn't come. To the extent we have any conservative principles or policies in this administration, they're basically coming out of the executive branch, the controlling of regulations, the president nominating Gorsuch to the Supreme Court. He has a number of really wonderful judges or judicial candidates that he's also proposed, some of whom have had hearings, some of whom are waiting. President has stood firm on religious issues. He stood firm on pro-life issues. On the judges, as I mentioned, he's trying to do everything he can to secure the border. Unfortunately, he didn't veto the spending bill. But he's not the legislator. He wanted that defense money. But I think it was a mistake not to veto that bill. Now that said, he's done some things I disagree with too. But his position on tariffs and his position on uh, steel and aluminum and so forth, that would not be the reason why you'd have significant Republican losses in the House and the Senate. It's because the conservative base, which are the activists in each one of these districts, are looking at the members of Congress and they're looking at the senators and they're not happy with them. They're not happy with them. And that's why they're going to lose. And I think one of the most You know, one of the biggest culprits is, of course, Mitch McConnell. I've been talking about this for years. Mitch McConnell is not a leader. He's an operator. You cannot have an operator in the position of leader. He lacks charisma. Whatever the opposite of charisma is, it's Mitch McConnell. He's inarticulate. He mumbles. He's unprincipled. And when you have a combination like that, you lose. You lose. Now let's hear what uh, Paul Ryan had to say today. Cut to go. You all know that I did not seek this job. I took it reluctantly. Uh, But I have given this job everything that I have. And I have no regrets whatsoever for having accepted this responsibility. This has been one of the two greatest honors of my life. 
The job provides incredible opportunities. But it, the truth is, it's easy for it to take over everything in your life. And you can't just let that happen. Because there are other things in life that can be fitting as well. Namely, your time as a husband and a dad, which is the other great honor of my life. Uh, that's why today I am announcing that this year will be my last one as a member of the House. Uh, to be clear, I am not resigning. I intend to full my served term as I was elected to do. But I will be retiring in January, leaving this majority in good hands with what I believe is a very bright future. Now, that's just not true. It's just not true. It's not a very bright future for the House Republicans. Cut to go. Uh, cut to hey, Speaker, you uh, got your long-sought tax cuts and tax reform legislation approved, which you say you'll consider to be your greatest achievement. However, you're not sticking around for its biggest consequence, which is trillion-dollar deficits as far as the Congressional Budget Office's eye can see. Yeah. What's your response to that? So entitlement reform is the one thing that, that the one other First of all, the first response should have been, obviously the reporter's a leftist. The first response should have been, actually, government spending is completely out of control. But he can't say that, and neither can any Republican running for the House or the Senate who voted for this budget, who voted for the appropriations bill. And that's the problem. What are they going to run on? What are they going to run on? Tax cuts and massive spending. We've reached the point, ladies and gentlemen, we can't grow out of this debt. I hear the supply-siders all the time. be a little better if the supply-siders supported cutting spending. But there's a point at which annual deficits and the overall debt becomes so heavy a burden on an economy and a financial system, you can't grow your way out of it. You want to grow the economy with tax cuts, but you need to cut spending. And they refuse to do it. They did worse. They massively increased spending. And so... They can't run on this, the Republicans. And the base, which is conservative, it's not stupid. Go ahead. Most of my career working on, I'm extremely proud of the fact that the House passed the biggest entitlement reform bill ever considered in the House of Representatives. Uh, Do I regret the fact that the Senate did not pass this? Yes. Uh, But I feel from all the budgets that I've passed, normalizing entitlement reform, pushing the cause of entitlement reform and the House passing entitlement reform. I'm very proud of that fact. But, yeah, of course, more work needs to be done. And it really is entitlements. That's where the work needs to be done. And I'm going to keep fighting for that. Now, he's been in the House a long time. He was the vice presidential nominee under Romney. He's Speaker of the House. And none of it happened. That's all I can say. I mean, what's the old saying? The proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the pudding. So I think the Republicans are going to have a very tough election. I think it's because they squandered their control of the House of the Senate. They should have passed everything they could possibly pass. But you have people like Mitch McConnell, who really is not a conservative. He's not a fiscal conservative. He's not a social conservative. He cut deals with Obama that undermined our military. He has no interest in building a wall on the southern border. He's not out front on anything. He works in the shadows. He threatens people in the shadows. 
He's all about maintaining his own power. <clears throat> as long as he's, as he's the leader of the Republicans in the Senate, whether they're in the majority or the minority. And let's be very, very clear about this. There are really very few, very few serious primary challengers against Republican incumbents right now. Particularly because of a change in the law that uh, McConnell pushed through in one of the omnibus bills a couple of years ago. With the Senate campaign committee and these PACs can raise an enormous amount of money to put down any conservatives who want to challenge <clears throat> unfaithful Republicans, that is, people who campaign as conservatives and then reject it when they're in Washington. So this is all on them. It's not on the Tea Party. It's not on the conservative movement. It's not on talk radio. It's all on McConnell and all on the shoulders of those in the House and the Senate who brought us to this point. Who brought us to this point. If you ask somebody today what the Republican Party stands for, it will be very, very hard to get a consistent, concise statement. If you ask people what the Democrat Party stands for, it's pretty easy. But not the Republican Party, because they campaign one way. They send out donation letters one way. They run commercials one way, and they govern another. And rather than Trump being blamed for this, Trump will be the victim of this. Trump will be the victim of this. Because if the House goes Democrat, as I've been saying... He's in deep trouble. And just a reminder to point out that the Democrats and the media and all the rest have always intended to try and take this man out in what I've called a silent coup. Others have picked it up. And of course, I've been attacked for this, but that's exactly what this is. The day after the election, November 9, 2016, here's what I said. Cut six, go. Let me tell you what the Democrats mean to do to you, Mr. Trump. They intend to sabotage you. They intend to sabotage you every step of the way and then blame you. They intend to look for every opportunity to criminalize the politics that swirls around you. And they're good at it, and they do it. And if necessary, they intend to try to impeach you. Trust me when I tell you this is their agenda. They are vicious. They are ideologues. They have a Soviet-style mentality. They will not allow an election to get in their way. And unfortunately, that's exactly what's taking place. I'll be right back. Lovin. The Republicans, I think it's going to be quite a bloodbath in the midterm elections. And um, they brought this on themselves. The media always hate them, and the media will always hate Trump. But they brought this on themselves. When we've had our greatest electoral victories, it's when we promote our ideas and our beliefs and our traditions and our principles. And when we articulate them in a rational way and repeat them, We can draw support. The left is vicious. The left seeks to shut down debate. 
The left lies, it distorts, including their media. But there's nothing new about that. In terms of the media, the Republicans have more going for them today than they ever had. When Ronald Reagan won two massive landslide victories, both the popular vote and the Electoral College, there was no ubiquitous talk radio, conservative talk radio. There was no Fox News channel. One of the things I realized when I was interviewing Benjamin Netanyahu a month or so ago for my Fox show, here's a man who's under constant attack. They don't have conservative talk radio in Israel, and they don't have a Fox News-type channel in Israel. We do here. But the thing is, and this tells you the problem, many, many of the Republicans in the House and the Senate can't go on Fox, or won't, can't go on conservative talk radio, or won't, or won't, because they can't defend their positions. Because their positions have become quite liberal. When it comes to Obamacare, when it comes to spending and funding Planned Parenthood and all the rest. So conservative media does them little good. They attack us, but really, they need to look in the mirror. And now some of them won't even have a mirror to look into. I'll be right back. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. Mark Levin, making conservatism great again. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. I'm going to uh, get to Syria. I'm going to get to the latest on the rogue prosecutor and prosecutors and their attempt to dislodge the president of the United States. I'm going to get to all that. But I need to stick with this for a minute. The Heritage Foundation has reviewed the testimony and the information put up at the Congressional Budget Office, which is an arm of Congress. And they write, it's not only that the fiscal situation is spiraling out of control, it also is happening even faster than expected. The Congressional Budget Office now expects trillion-dollar deficits to return by 2020, two years earlier than projected just last June. And by the way, folks... This is why I do my program the way I do it. I don't just bounce around like a ping-pong ball from website to website. There's important information there. Don't get me wrong. But there are issues that require the drawn attention of me and you. 
And so to sit behind a microphone like this, look at big issues every day, and decide that the audience is just too stupid to to deal with it and it's not going to help my ratings, really is an abomination. It's an abomination. So I take my time to go through these things with you because these are the things that face us that are in many ways are perilous. So not only is the fiscal situation spiraling out of control, says the Congressional Budget Office and the Heritage Foundation and others, it's now happening faster than expected. Trillion-dollar deficits to return by 2020. The Democrats don't care. The Republicans did this. At least this year they did it. And this is why they have nothing to run on, other than to say they're not Democrats. The $804 billion deficit projected this year is $241 billion higher than in the last Congressional Budget Office update. And the projected 10-year cumulative deficit is now at $12.4 trillion, up from $10.1 trillion. So that means in 10 years, we'll have a fiscal operating debt, ready, of $31 trillion. Now that really doesn't affect you today, right? I know it doesn't. But when an economy starts to unravel, it's like a domino game. Everything is affected. It eventually arrives. Can't be certain when it'll arrive, but it does arrive. In small countries like Venezuela, big countries like Weimar, Germany, it arrives. Then your savings, your home, your pension, all out the window. I can see civil liberties being suspended, property being seized. It becomes a very, very desperate situation. The entire American project threatened because of the rejection of constitutional limited government in the embrace of massive centralized progressivism. It's popular to blame the tax cuts passed last year for this, says the Heritage Foundation, but tax revenue is expected to fall by only 0.7% of gross domestic product this year, and spending is expected to climb by 3% of the gross domestic product. This is not a revenue problem. The government actually will take in $22 billion more in 2018 than it did in 2017. It's a spending problem. Any temporary one at that, they write. Revenues will fall to 16.6% of the GDP from 17.3% this year, but we'll be back to 17.5% by 2025. And what they're not telling you is revenues should be higher. Higher. If we would limit the size of government, I'm talking about as a percentage of GDP, it could, it could be literally higher. In fact, the economic power of the tax cuts may cover some of Congress' fiscal sins, and they go on. The interest on the debt is becoming monumental. And the federal Congress and the budget writers and all have pretty much ignored it because interest rates have been as close to zero 
over the last decade as we've ever seen. Because the Federal Reserve Board is trying to limit the damage being done fiscally. And by doing that, they're creating enormous damage themselves for quantitative easing, not once, twice, four times, five or six times. And so you have these artificially low interest rates, which help to fund these massive debt deficits. But at some point, the interest rates have to go up, like they're starting to go up now. And then they take a bigger and bigger and bigger percentage, not just of the federal budget, but of the economy. So that is, uh, that's a big deal. I mean, we're reaching a point of no return here. We're reaching a point of no return because there's only so much you can do. You got these three big entitlements, Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. They're going to grow by 89% over the next 10 years. 89%. And spending on interest will surpass spending on defense in the next five years. It's going to climb a staggering 190% over the next decade. And I hear all these crocodile, oh, excuse me, I see all these crocodile tears for Paul Ryan. I see some conservatives coming to the defense of Mitch McConnell. It's to watch this, to know history, to know economics, to have common sense for us, you and me, to watch this, to watch the, the willful destruction of an economy, the willful destruction of a society, it's hard to take. On top of all the activity going on at the Injustice Department and the Federal Bureau of Investigating Republicans and the so-called judiciary, rubber stamping, Lawlessness. Rogue prosecutors. I have to admit, it sometimes it affects my mood in a significant way. It really does. Sometimes it affects my mood in a significant way. And I don't see this reversing anytime soon, especially with the Democrats teed up for a big midterm electoral victory where we spend the next two years watching them trash the president, subpoena the president, hamstring the president, making it impossible for him to push back. It is really beyond frustrating. It's, it's, it's infuriating, absolutely infuriating. And folks, it's not as if these members of Congress don't know what they're doing. You know, when I sat down a couple of years ago, to write my book, Plunder and Deceit. I was very naive. I thought it might actually have an impact on these decision makers, at least some of them. And I literally laid out chapter and verse of what was taking place, literally made out the the moral argument for getting this spending under control, the effect on future generations, including generations yet born, how we're stealing from their wealth Wealth yet created? I spent a lot of time talking about Social Security and Medicare and Obamacare, education, immigration, the environment, even the minimum wage. 
and how the actions that our government is taking, among others, is so destructive of the next generation and the generation after that and the generation after that. I've even, I even asked, how can parents, how can adults do this to their children and their grandchildren? I tried to look at the psychological aspects of this. But to absolutely no avail. None whatsoever. And so when the Republicans came together in March to rubber stamp what their leaders did, be clear on this, Paul Ryan, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and McConnell, those four, as they came out of the room and acting like Moses coming down from the mountain. And they came down and said, this is it, no amendments, no changes, and on and on and on. And when we learned more and more about it, I said, my God, we're not making any movement in the right direction. None. With the Republicans, they keep telling us, vote, 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 vote. We vote, 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 vote. Now we have the biggest, most profligate spending bill in modern history. And look what the CBO is saying. When they're using words like unsustainable, when the, CE, when the CBO uses words like unsustainable, when the GAO uses words like unsustainable, when the Federal Reserve uses words like unsustainable, then I assume it's unsustainable. Now what the hell does that mean? It means the economy can't handle this much longer. It means all of your hard work in the private sector. All of those of you who are retired and you think you're going to be okay year after year after year. Those of you who are working, who have a mortgage, put a little bit of money away. You're all endangered. And even worse, let's talk about this tax bill. This tax bill takes more and more people off of the tax uh, rolls. So of course they vote for liberals, they vote for Democrats, they vote for more spending, because it's not costing them a damn thing. As a matter of fact, they get a check. You're paying taxes, they're getting a check. You have redistribution of wealth in the tax system. And more Americans have been taken off the tax rolls. And we have conservatives celebrating it. Marco Rubio among us. We need... What? Why? Because we believe in families. No, you don't. You don't believe in families at all. Not with this kind of spending. Not with this kind of debt. Interest rates starting to move up now. They were always going to move up. They can't stay down forever. They were always going to move up. When I told you a year and a half ago that the disability fund under Social Security went broke two summers ago. It already went broke. You could hear crickets. There's two trusts. There's two so-called funds under Social Security, the general and disability. Disability's gone. There's nothing in it. You can hear a pin drop. No, no outcry, no nothing. Folks, these are the canaries in the mine. These, they're telling us something. <laughs> and we're not paying any attention to it. The Republicans are going to get clobbered. 
the leftists, more leftists are going to get elected, more massive budgets, more massive debt, more government intrusion, more regulation of the Internet, and Facebook, and Amazon, and all the rest. And we squander the time that we have government. We don't get to control Congress and the presidency all the time. Absolutely squandered when it comes to the growth of government, when it comes to getting spending under control, let alone securing our border and giving us our health care back. And we're not asking for anything that's extraordinary. We're not trying to take anything from anybody else. We're not trying to punish anybody. We just want our country back. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, it's tax season. And for Russ and his wife, tax season brings even more anxiety over their unpaid taxes and what the IRS could do to them. Twice, his wife suggested they get expert advice. And twice, Russ refused. For one, they owed thousands to the IRS, and they didn't have the money. They couldn't pay. And Russ was afraid that even asking advice could trigger an IRS action. That's not a wholly false notion. Now, if you can relate to Russ, you need to call Optima Tax Relief. Optima knows that behind every tax problem are good people, people with families and homes, savings and paychecks that need protection which is how they've resolved over half a billion dollars in tax debt for their clients and are A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau. And rest assured, when you call Optima to explore all the ways they can help solve your IRS problems, your call is shielded and completely confidential. I want to strongly encourage you, because tax time is right here. It's right on our heels. Call Optima Tax Relief. Call Optima Tax Relief. 800 499-6300. 499 That's 800 Don't be stressed anymore. Don't be fearful anymore. Don't be wearing anymore. Get the experts. Get the pros that you need. And you need to get them right away. Because the clock is ticking. 800-499-6300. Trust me on this. 800 499 6300 Optima Tax Relief. All right. Let's take a look. Who do we have here? I'm pulling up the... I'm trying to. Here we go. Let's see. Uh, Sandra in Oregon. Great. Uh, Sirius Satellite, how are you? Hey, I'm great. How are you? Okay. Awesome. Well, I called today because I've been listening to your podcast. You're a genius, by the way. I oh, love you to geez. death. Thank you. Um, I think you're absolutely right on probably 99.9% of everything you're saying, except I disagree with your opinion about the Republicans getting wiped out this next election season. And here's why. I am one of Trump's base, and I have a lot of contacts. And we're quiet, but we are waiting. And what's going to happen is we're not going to have the Republicans lose. What we're going to have is we're going to replace the rhinos. And well, a lot, I, a lot of the rhinos are up for re-election. Yeah. So we're not going to yeah. be able to replace them. Well, we could replace them. Well, why do you say not? Because a lot of them don't have primary challenges. 
Well, oh, I'm going to have to take your word for that. But as soon as we're counted, they're going to be voted out. And I would be surprised. And, and keep something else in mind. Trump is not on the ballot. So he's not going to be drawing as many people uh, as he would in the past. But look, I'm going to vote Republican. And let me tell you why. I can't stand most of these Republicans. But I know if they take the House, then Trump's done. So, you know, there's to me, there's a, a, a completely different paradigm in this midterm election than there typically would be. Do you agree? Yeah, I do. I do. But I think there are a lot of President Trump's base that I think are still going to come out and vote where they need to to keep. But the base isn't big enough. He, he attracted other voters, not just the base, in order to win the presidency. He's going to need more than the base. What's that? I think you might be surprised. I hope I am. Look, I'm not rooting for this. Trust me. Trust me. And in many ways, I feel like uh, neither party represents me, certainly not the Democrats. And this Republican Party? Nah. Not the way they spend. Not the way they borrow. Not the way they refuse to secure their our borders and so forth and so on. They're absolute cowards. Sandra, thanks for listening. And by the way, on our podcast, millions and millions every month. So hello to our podcast listeners out there. We'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker. Somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building. We've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. everybody, Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. In the final hour of this program, I want to take a very deep look at uh, what's been taking place with these prosecutors and the argument that the Southern District of New York is now looking into this Michael Cohen because of links to Donald Trump in these quote-unquote payoffs of women. And uh, the only way these prosecutors get their nose under that tent is by claiming that the money was an in-kind contribution, an in-kind campaign contribution. And I'm going to explain to you why it's not, and then I'm going to have on the program in the final hour the man who's made this point, who's the former chairman, chairman of the uh, FEC. And he's also chairman of the Institute for Free Speech, but he was the former chairman of the Federal Election Commission. And he's now a professor of law at Capital University, and we will have him on the program in the final hour. Bradley Smith, brilliant man. The whole basis for that search warrant. Like so much of this investigation is not justifiable. But first I want to talk about Syria and what's likely to happen. The president has pulled together a, a coalition here, not a particularly big one, but he doesn't need a particularly big one. But it appears to involve, obviously, the United States, France, and the UK, maybe a few others. And I suspect one of the reasons we needed at least the UK is because our military under Obama is now stretched thin. We've got a lot of hardware, 
in the South China Sea, among other places. And so, uh, and so that's probably why we're asking some assistance from some of these other countries. But that said, looks like the president's gearing up to really hit Syria. Now, when you look at Syria, you've got Russia, you've got Iran, you've got terrorist groups there. And I, I, I try not to, but I listen to some of the people out there, some of the critics about what the president is likely to do or is about to do. And uh, they attack him. They attack him from the left, and they attack him from the code pink Republican crowd. And then they claim they're victims because people tell them to shut up and to not comment on these things. Well, in my case, I don't care if they comment, if, do whatever they want. They're not the victims. The president of the United States has handled North Korea more expertly than any modern president. You could say it's his advisors. I don't really care who it is. He's calling the shots in the end. The president of the United States is handling Iran more expertly than any of his modern predecessors. The president of the United States has done more since Ronald Reagan to try to build up the United States military. So the president of the United States, when it comes to foreign policy, has a hell of a record. Has a hell of a record. And he's rolled back ISIS like nobody thought anybody else could do. And he did it. Because he's the commander-in-chief, and he allowed the military to do what the military needed to do and wanted to do. And that's what's happened. Now, the president of the United States has said that we warn the Russians and we warn the Syrians to stop using chemical weapons. Because chemical weapons like nuclear weapons are particularly horrendous. And they have the capacity to kill a whole lot of people in very horrific ways. We're not talking about conventional warfare. And there's a reason why, for an entire century, the world has come together to condemn chemical weapons. Our troops in World War I experienced what it's like to fight a war where chemical weapons are used. And also in World War II. And so this is a particularly heinous, collectively, weapon which has the potential to be used outside particular battles, outside particular wars, and outside particular geographic areas. And so the goal is to stop its production, to stop countries and others from inventorying it. So it's understood this is a particularly heinous weapon that is not to be used. And the president has made this clear. But Russia is using chemical weapons in sort of a pinpointed way. And Syria continues to use chemical weapons. As if it's a normal course of action. 
And if the Syrians use chemical weapons, the Iranians see and say, what the hell, there's no, uh, there's no downside, we can use them too. The terrorist groups say, well, you know, that's not particularly bad, we can use them too. This president has drawn a so-called red line, and he means it, unlike the prior president. Unlike the prior president. I hear particularly the code pink Republicans say, what does this have to do with us? It's Syria. I don't know. What did the invasion of Austria have to do with us? What did the invasion of the Czech Republic have to do with us? What did the invasion of Poland have to do with us? What did the invasion of France have to do with us? What do the attacks on Britain have to do with us? And then the enemy builds itself up into such a powerful war machine. It's impossible to turn the other way. And then we're attacked. I'm talking about World War II, of course. And it costs us an enormous number of lives. I have no idea if this would lead to that. Probably not, but it could lead to something horrific if it's left unchecked. I understand there are demagogues in the media, just as there are demagogue uh, politicians, who get behind microphones and scream at the top of their lungs about people who are on TV and radio who they claim are supporting war. They sound like the anti-war nutjobs of the 60s. Or the isolationists who said, lay off Germany, lay off, don't, don't worry about that, it has nothing to do with us. And many of them were Republicans, by the way, back then. I don't know anybody who is supporting the president in this regard who supports war. That's a stupid comment. I don't support war. Why would I support war? And then the next stupid comment. Unless you're willing to actually fight and go to war, you can't support military action. Now, isn't that an amazing argument? Well, the vast majority of families in this country have had members who are in the military and members who have fought in wars. I know I have. I know I have. But we have an all-volunteer army. And so the number of men and women in the military is relatively small. We don't have a draft. And as long as we have an all-volunteer army, I should say military generally, there will be a much smaller percentage of the population that actually goes to war or is involved in the military. So to say now, unless you're prepared to go to war, that you can't support the president in this regard, is another stupid left-wing argument adopted by these code pink Republicans. Truly. Now we're getting arguments, and actually this has been going on for days now, and it's really quite repulsive. We don't really know, you see, who used these chemical weapons on the people in this town in Syria. We don't really know. We don't really know. 
we have the capacity to know a whole lot about troop movements, about the movement of a single tank, about the movement of a single ship, about the movement of weapons. The president of the United States has said it was Syria with the backing of Russia. That's what he says. That's what Mattis believes. That's what our our men and women who are responsible for these things believe. So why should I now speculate as a talk show host that they don't know? But I, somehow I know. And then here's the argument you're hearing. Why would Assad do this? I mean, Trump announced we were leaving and it's not in his best interest. Another stupid argument. Assad wants to take this town, which is one of the last holdouts right outside of Damascus. And he doesn't believe we have the resolve to stand up to him. Sure, they can handle 49 or 59 missiles hitting one of their airfields and so forth. They figure big deal. And now that we have the Russians here all over the place, America wouldn't dare do it. But they underestimate this commander-in-chief. He's not Barack Milhouse Benito Obama. Donald Trump is not a president who believes in interventionism. He's not a president who has this ideology that America needs to be everywhere. Quite the contrary. But he's sitting there and he sees the threats. And he deserves credit for seeing the threats, for seeing what's going on. He deserves credit for it. It's not about neocons and so forth and so on. He's not a neocon. He comes to his job with great skepticism about military involvement. And so he deserves our backing when we're about to, it appears, to take military action. And so does our military. And talking about Afghanistan and Iraq... And Somalia has nothing to do with it. Nothing. He's dealing with what's happening right now. He said he would roll back ISIS. He's rolled back ISIS. He says he wants to denuclearize North Korea, and he's trying to do exactly that. He said they're going to challenge, we're going to challenge the Chinese in the South China Sea. It doesn't belong to them. There's $5 trillion of commerce that flows through there, and that's exactly what he's doing. He says he wants to build up the United States military, and he's building up the United States military. Why don't we take him at his word? Why don't we take him at his word? And, uh, and I will support him in the actions that he apparently is prepared to take. And no, I don't believe Russia will want to go to war over Syria. You know, let me tell you something. Russia is our enemy. And you've had people in talk radio and on TV who used to tell you how great Putin was. They thought, this is the kind of leader we need and so forth and so on. And I'd get behind this microphone and say over and over again, Putin is a killer. He is our enemy. He's stolen tens of billions of dollars from his own people. 
We don't want a Putin. He's not our friend. And then you, what, do you want to go to war with Russia? I don't want to go to war with anybody. But you have to have your eyes wide open. And when the code pink Republicans sound like ideological leftists, and then they get on the air and get on TV and act like they're in the know, they're not in the know. They're knee jerkers. They're knee jerkers. That's all they are. The fact of the matter is, sometimes you have to do things you don't want to do. The Russians are on the move. The Chinese are on the move. The North Koreans have been on the move. The Iranians are on the move. And the president's trying to cope with this. He inherited all this. It wasn't Trump who let Russia into Syria. It was Obama. Obama, uh, uh, Syria was out, excuse me, Russia was out in the Middle East for decades. They were pushed out of the Middle East, out of Egypt, out of Syria, out of all of it. They come in. Iran, under George W. Bush, was near economic collapse. And then Obama comes in. Saves them. Iraq was a victory. Iraq was a victory. And then Obama comes in and abandons them. Obama appeases the Russians. Obama appeases the Chinese. Obama appeases the North Koreans. Obama appeases the Cubans. I think it's time to give the president a break here. And rally around him in this regard. I really do. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, the other day, the president put uh, very severe sanctions on the billionaire, the corrupt billionaires who surround Putin. And it's had an enormous effect. And there were some media reports to this effect, but you wouldn't know it if you're looking at most of the media. And CNBC reported it, unloading a raft of targeted sanctions after months of perceived inaction against Russia by the Trump administration. It's becoming clear that Washington has hit the country where it hurts. So now you see, it's Trump administration hasn't done enough, but Washington now is hitting the country where it hurts. The media are pathetic. The intended message is that no oligarch can escape economic punishment for involvement in the country's alleged transgressions. Russian stocks suffered their worst day since 2014, as fears over recently imposed U.S. Treasury sanctions swept the country. This Monday saw Russia's main share index, the dollar-dominated RTS, crash 11.4%, while the ruble fell 4.5% against the dollar on Tuesday. This is the capacity of our economy against Russia and or China, even though the Chinese economy is much larger than Russia's. Ours is much larger than China's. Until recently considered a safe bet with many investors overweight on Russian assets, the country's markets now appear at the mercy of the American Treasury, whose deployment of punitive economic measures was its most severe and most unpredictable yet. The gut punch... Washington's secondary sanctions, which threatened to punish non-American individuals and companies doing business with the sanctioned entities in the same way they would Americans. 
Now, this is the man who's accused of colluding with Putin, including with the Russians. Everybody knows there was no collusion now. And all the hacks that were on TV, media, media surrogates and Democrats should be held to account for their damnable lives. You can call us now at 877-381-3811. And the liberal contact number is 877-381-3811. You're not going to want to miss our next hour, by the way. Of course, you don't want to miss this one either. But we're going to really blow a hole through this whole nonsense going on in the Southern District of New York. And uh, that needs to occur. Uh, I wanted to tell you something else. I haven't been reminding you of this lately. You can now hear me on your Amazon Echo device. Those of you who have an Amazon Echo device, here's what you do. Just say, Alexa, enable the Mark Levin Show skill. That's it. And you're set up. Alexa, enable the Mark Levin Show skill. So if you have an Amazon Echo device, write this down or take it out and just say, Alexa, enable the Mark Levin Show skill. And you'll connect with me instantly. Now, after that, whenever you want to listen to my show, you just say, Alexa, open Mark Levin Show. Alexa, open Mark Levin Show. Now, for more information, you go online to marklevinshow.com and use the search keyword Alexa. Okay? But it's very, very cool if you have an Amazon Echo. It's that simple. Very, very cool. Let's take some calls here. All right. Oh, I'm told I have to read a commercial. A commercial that I like to read. Now, if you've been paying attention to the news lately, one of the themes that you've probably heard over and over again is the systematic censorship of conservative voices, right? You've seen the whistleblowers from the biggest names in the Silicon Valley, elites, admit that conservative points of view are actively being quashed, right? This is why you need to get CRTV, Conservative Review TV. If you're still getting your media from these social media giants or the liberal mainstream media, you're just not getting the whole story. We need the government to regulate stuff. We'll compete against it. We started Levin TV as a way to fight back against the mainstream media. Right here in my living room, that's where we started it. And to make sure our subscribers had a source that they could actually trust. Now, you get some people on TV and radio who just whine about the liberal media. We're trying to do something about it and give you an alternative. And so now, just a little over a year after we launched CRTV, the network, we've added more than a dozen new shows, new ways to watch. We're now the biggest conservative media platform you'll find anywhere. Now, there are millions of you listening to my voice. And many of you are not members of the Levin TV, CRTV family. We get emails all the time saying, I wish I did this earlier and so forth. We are using cutting-edge technology to produce our programs and cutting-edge technology to provide them to you. I mean, everything from a smart TV. If you have a smart TV, you can watch us. If you have a handheld phone like an iPhone or an Android... You can watch us. If you have a PC, an iPad, you can watch us. And more. And more. 
And you know what? We're not done. Just try us for 30 days, absolutely free. 30 days, absolutely free, and use promo code LEVIN to save $10 off an annual pass. Now, cable doesn't do that. They don't say, try us 30 days, absolutely free. But we're doing that because we want to encourage you to join our new media movement. 30 days, absolutely free. You use promo code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N. You'll save 10 bucks off an annual pass. Now, how do you do this? Give us a call. Right now, our people are there. 844-LEVIN-TV, 844-L-E-V-I-N-TV. And we'll get you all set up. That's 844-LEVIN-TV. And I do my program live to tape right before I do my radio show. So it's all fresh. Covers a lot of issues that are going on that are taking place right now. And, of course, we get into a lot of issues that have nothing to do with the news. And there's not a single commercial. Not a single commercial. Oh, and by the way, I don't use your private information and sell it to anybody either. So check us out. 844-LEVIN-TV. 844-LEVIN-TV. My father looks forward to this show my radio show, and then can't wait to turn on his TV, his smart TV, his Roku, to watch Levin TV, and then he critiques both of them for me. (laughs) So I really want you to check it out. You've heard me talk about it now for, what, two years? 844-LEVIN-TV, 844-L-E-V-I-N-TV. And the cost is minimal, absolutely minimal. We've kept the cost down. You know, since I started Levin TV over two years ago, the cost is exactly the same. Right, Mr. Producer? It's the same. So I hope you'll check us out. Let us go to Jeff, San Francisco, California, the great KSFO. Go ahead. Hey, hi, Mark. Um, I was serving on the East German border about the time you were there with Reagan in in D.C., and uh, I appreciate your opinion. I want to know... Should the president go to Congress to get any authorization before we reduce another sovereign nation to a failed state, or should we just fire away again like we did in Libya? Well, that's a loaded question, isn't it? Should we maybe even get... I don't know. Should Reagan have gone to Congress to deal with uh, what took place in the southern hemisphere, in our southern hemisphere? Remember when the Russians were building a uh, landing field? Remember that? Did he go to Congress, or did he need to, or did he, sir, sir, I'm, I'm going to finish my question. You already have your answer. I'm going to finish my question. This is really for the listeners. In Grenada? Now, if we go to Congress every single time a president wants to take military action, uh, then a president will not be able to take military action because Congress is a legislative body. They debate even some, most of the time they're not even there, and it becomes enormously difficult. And you say you served in the military in Germany, and when you have military personnel in areas of combat, and you decide to have a debate for 30 days over whether or not you should take action, that becomes problematic. Now, if you're going to actually go to war, and you're expe- you're, you expect to send an enormous number of troops or something of that sort, that's a different matter. Oh. Is Assad building a two-mile-long runway in our backyard? No, but he is building, uh, but, the, but the Iranians and the Russians are. What? Pow! Are the Iranians building ICBMs? Yes or no? 
The Iranians aren't building any runways in our backyard. Uh, hey, pal, nobody, I'm not talking about our backyard. Are the Iranians built? And you didn't serve in Germany. What unit were you in? Why aren't you talking about What it? unit were you in? About you liar. Get off the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I served. What did he say? Where did he serve in Germany? He didn't serve in Germany. Here's the deal, ladies and gentlemen. His question wasn't about geographic location. His point was, does a president, shouldn't he get authorization for all military action? And the answer is he can't. It's not practicable. And you put our troops and our airmen and all the rest at great risk. Sometimes you have to take military action without going to Congress. Because the president's duty is to protect us. And there's a rub in the Constitution on that. You have a commander-in-chief, but you also have the powers of Congress. But every battle is not a war. does not require a declaration of war. We've had five, I'm doing this by memory, maybe six declarations of war. And most of them occurred related to World War II. We declared war on Germany. We declared war on Japan. We declared war on Italy. So the vast majority of military actions that we have taken, including early in our history, were not, did not involve declarations of war. So what you're dealing with here is the radical libertarian element, the code pink Republicans, and of course the usual leftists. But real military people who've served in the military will tell you there are times when you need to take action and take action relatively quickly. And, uh, of course, if Congress wanted to act quickly, they could pass a statute right now, or at least uh, try to pass a statute right now that would prevent the president from doing anything. Has anybody done that? The president hasn't stopped them. Let's go to Tim, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, the great WSBA. Go. Mark, I'm totally disgusted with everything that's happening in this country. There's no real solutions now. We've reached the point, and I totally agree with everything you say. All you have to do is watch a Walmart video at Christmas time, and that's what we're going to end up with in this country. I voted for Republicans and tried to do what I can. We've done everything we can. And convention of states, I don't even know if that's going to happen because we don't have enough Republican support, Mark. We're mm-hmm. done. We are done. It's nothing we can do at this point. I'm sick of it. Do what are we going to do? We're going to lose our Second Amendment rights, Mark. Do you, gonna... do you have children? No, I don't. I have might might you have children there? one day? No, I'm 56. It's not okay, going to happen. Okay, well, the problem is those of us who have children and some who don't, even though I share your <laughs> what I consider in many respects a very realistic view, we can't give up. Well, what, what can we do, Mark? Well, we do what we can do. We, do the, we push the convention of states. We try to challenge people in the primaries. But if it was easy, we, we would have done it already. Right, Tim? I, I totally agree, Mark. But you, you've painted a picture that... It's know, very I, difficult. I, it's very uh, difficult. Thanks, Mark. All right, buddy. Okay, let us continue. Doug, Salem, Oregon, the great KSLM. Go. Levin. Hey, yes, I just sir. love your humor. I'm sure everybody else does. Sorry about Tim back there in Pennsylvania, but <laughs> my ex is back there. You can hook up with her. Oh, jeez. Okay. Uh, but let's get back to the point of our old buddy Paul Ryan. And remember on the inauguration that he was prancing around all gleaming and stuff after our president won the election? 
And uh, now, a year later, he's bailing out us on us because he can't even follow up on what he promised to, you know, to reduce all these entitlements. And even basic stuff. Why, why did they not only fund Planned Parenthood, but give it the biggest budget it's ever had? And the point is, I totally congruent with you. I totally believe you're always in the right. I just love what you're saying. And when you have a budget that big, you get me wound up. And that's the best thing about your show. And I'm sure everybody else, you remember where I'm calling from. And it's, it's, a, it's a beehive out here. Oregon. And, you got and, such lousy politicians in Oregon. It's just grotesque. Us that's brown. We got a governor, and I'm from the capital, which is just, it's a travesty here. And I was mm. born here, and there's nowhere else I can go. And I've worked in some of the deepest, darkest pockets of HUD, and uh, I could tell you story after story. Mm. And it's just it's just it's just phenomenal why people don't have kids. Mm-hmm. All right, my friend. I appreciate your call. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, one of the frustrating things is when people tell the call screener they want to talk about one subject and then they come on and do something else. So... I don't mind them telling the truth to the call screener because, you know, there's a flow to the program. If somebody wants to call up and say, you know, I don't like the food coloring on popcorn, we have to screen those people out. And we get a lot of that. Or if somebody says, I want to talk about immigration when we're not talking about immigration, we need to screen that out or tell people to call us back. It's not a matter of screening out people who have certain viewpoints. But when somebody lies to get through and to get online... You don't know this, but I see it on the board. I'm irritated immediately. Immediately. If the guy, Tim, or whatever his name was, had said, I disagree with Mark and I want to make the case that we ought to have declarations of war, I would have taken that call anyway. But why lie to come on? So I didn't like him to begin with. And then he lied that he served in the military. Much like Richard Blumenthal, the liberal no-good senator from Connecticut. That really drives me nuts, too. Just come on with a contrary view and state it. And we'll have a debate or a discussion. It's that simple. You know, Hillsdale College is educating millions of Americans on freedom and the Constitution, economics, history, and other areas through their free online courses. And many of you have taken one. They also teach congressional staff and other leaders constitutional principles at the Hillsdale Kirby Center in Washington, D.C. And I'm sure you've heard how Hillsdale is partnering with charter schools, too. And how every student on their main campus is required to study the Constitution, regardless of whether they major in music, chemistry, mathematics, English, or anything else. Hillsdale does all of this as part of their mission to help all Americans pursue truth and defend liberty. To help Americans become better citizens, to preserve freedom. Now they're sending a copy of the Constitution and Declaration of Independence to every middle and high public school principal in America, along with an offer to provide free copies for every student. Learn how you can help in this effort and how you can get your own copy of Hillsdale's Pocket Constitution to keep or give away. At levinforhillsdale.com, that's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Well, let's see here. By the way, 
We're going to have a great show at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on Fox. Two great guests. I'll tell you more about it later in the week. Two great guests. So if I don't promote it on radio, it ain't going to be promoted. But I want you to know about it. And uh, we're getting a very loyal following, too. And I want to thank all of you because I know that's mostly out of my radio audience. So we much appreciate that. Let's go to Mike, Los Angeles, California, on AM870, The Answer, a great affiliate there. How are you? I'm fine, Mark. <clears throat> How are you? Okay. I've been listening to you since you were calling Hannity from Disney World. I, I Isn't that amazing? <laughs> anyway. Thank and, you. And if this country does survive, you're going to get a lot of credit in history. <laughs> well, thanks. Uh, I just wanted to know, what do you think Putin, Putin wants? What's his end game? Well, at this point, I don't think Putin thought that the president of the United States would stand up to him. And so what Putin wants is to keep his foothold in the Middle East and particularly Syria. I think that's what he wants. So uh, I think now he wants to hold on to what he has. That's my guess. Well, thank you. You know, Putin's been pushing countries around now quite a bit. I mean, whether it's the Ukraine, now he's, he's, he's grabbed... Crimea, he grabbed part of Georgia. Uh, he's grabbed the, a sizable part of, of, uh, of, of the Arctic. People don't realize that. He's making all kinds of claims. He's threatening the Baltic states. He's threatening, in many ways, Poland. Um, so he has an inferiority complex. He uh, wishes for the old days of the Soviet Union in many respects. Uh, they have a very weak economy. They have an economy that's based basically on oil. It's an economy that can be easily damaged, and the President of the United States has taken some very significant actions against him. And as, as I pointed out, you know, their stock market and their currency has, uh, has uh, tumbled as a result. And by the way, even though China is much bigger and has a much bigger economy and it would be much harder, the same can be done to them. So these are all geopolitical issues where a country's trying to push out into Eastern Europe, trying to push out... As I said, in the Arctic, trying to push out in the Middle East, trying to establish uh, certain bases, certain areas of control. And I think this is part of it. And so the president's pushing back. Well, we all wish him luck on all that. Amen. (laughs) All right, Mike, I appreciate it, buddy. Take care of yourself. Let's go to Kyle, Warsaw, Virginia, the great WMAL. How are you? Fine, Mark. Thank you. I'm calling to say, first, I support and back Trump yesterday, today, and tomorrow, as does my wife and seven voting-age children in Virginia. My there comment, you go. My comment is regarding apathy with the conservative voters in Virginia. We witnessed that during the last election. But also that the Democrats have a very excellent ground game registering mm-hmm. young voters. And I think that's the difference between they and the Republican RNC. Yeah, you're, you're quite right about that. All right, my friend, thank you. We'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. 
everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. I want to jump into our next topic. There are many. Maggie Haberman, Matt Apuzo, Michael S. Schmidabril, Schmidt, uh, New York Times all. The FBI agents who raided the office and hotel of President Trump's lawyer on Monday were seeking all records related to the Access Hollywood tape, in which Mr. Trump was heard making vulgar comments about women, according to three people who have been briefed on the comments, excuse me, on the contents of a federal search warrant. The search warrant also sought evidence of whether the lawyer, Michael D. Cohen, tried to suppress damaging information about Mr. Trump during the 2016 presidential campaign. By the way, that never happens. It's not clear what role, if any, Mr. Cohen played regarding the tape, which was made public a month before the election, but the fact that the agents were seeking documents related to the tape reveals a new front in the investigation into Mr. Cohen that is being led by the United States Attorney's Office in Manhattan. And the disclosure comes a day after it was revealed that the authorities also sought documents from Mr. Cohen related to payments made to two women who claimed they had affairs with Mr. Trump, Karen McDougal and Stephanie Clifford, as well as information on the role of the publisher of the National Enquirer in silencing the women. The new details from the warrant reveal that prosecutors are keenly interested in Mr. Cohen's unofficial role in the Trump campaign, and they help explain why Mr. Trump was furious about the raid. People close to Mr. Trump and Mr. Cohen regard the warrant as an attempt by the special counsel, Robert S. Mueller III, to pry into Mr. Trump's personal life, using other prosecutors as his proxy. Now, this is one outrageous and bizarre investigation. And there's a piece in the Wall Street Journal today by a gentleman by the name of Bradley Smith, who is, was the chairman of the Federal Election Commission. And while Maggie Haberman and all the other geniuses writing over there at the New York Times are collecting leaks from the prosecutors and surrogates from the prosecutors and writing stories as if this is all fact, she has no interest in knowing whether in fact monies paid are in-kind contributions. Because if she really looked into that, she would know that they're not, and the whole house of cards would collapse. But that's not what Maggie Haberman and the New York Slimes are interested in, nor the prosecutors. Bradley Smith, who will be on this program in 10 minutes, the former chairman of the FEC, wrote a piece, and he's an, uh, now a law professor. He wrote a piece, the Wall Street Journal, he said, when you stretch the law to get a political opponent, it's rarely possible to return the law to its original shape. Which brings us to Stormy Daniels. Shortly before the 2016 election, one of President Trump's lawyers, Michael Cohen, arranged a $130,000 payment to the porn star in return for silence about a 2006 affair she claimed to have had with Mr. Trump. Not satisfied with an old-fashioned sex scandal, perhaps because the president seems impervious to that, someone had turned this into a violation of campaign finance law. Trevor Potter, a former member of the Federal Election Commission, told 60 Minutes the payment was a $130,000 in-kind contribution by Cohen to the Trump campaign, which is about $126,500 about above what he's allowed to give, quote-unquote. Now, of course, I was an Obama appointee. The FBI raided Mr. Cohen's office, home and hotel room Monday, 
They reportedly seized records related to the payment and are investigating possible violations of campaign finance laws. But let's remember a basic principle of such laws. Not everything that might benefit a candidate is, in fact, a campaign expense. Campaign finance law aims to prevent corruption. For this reason, the FEC has a long-standing ban on personal use of campaign funds. Such use would give campaign contributions a material value beyond helping to elect the candidate, the essence of a bribe. FEC regulations explain that the campaign cannot pay expenses that would exist irrespective of the campaign, even if it might help win the election. At the same time, obligations that would not exist but for the campaign must be paid from campaign funds. If paying hush money is a campaign expense, a candidate would be required, required to make that payment with campaign funds. You understand? So in other words, if the argument that Maggie Haberman and the other phony reporters are regurgitating from the prosecutor's side, if that's true, then the hush money, so-called, would have to come from campaign funds. And he says, how ironic, given that using campaign funds as hush money was one of the articles of impeachment in the Watergate scandal, which gave rise to modern campaign finance law. Now, we're going to have Bradley Smith on, who can articulate it better than I can read what he wrote. He says, when the FEC adopted these regulations, it specifically rejected a rule under which campaign contributions could fund an expenditure related to a candidacy. So in other words, even if you take the facts as set forth by the New York Times and the rest of the phony media, it cannot be an in-kind campaign contribution because it's quote-unquote hush money. It's a personal matter. Whether it has an impact on the campaign or not. When the FEC adopted these regulations, again, it specifically rejected a rule under which campaign contributions could fund an expenditure related to a candidacy. Related to, quote-unquote. The FEC was concerned that would make it too easy for candidates to use campaign funds for personal benefit. Personal debts, for example, are related to the campaign. If unpaid, the candidate's reputation might suffer. They're related to the campaign. A Rolex watch, a new suit, or a haircut might help a candidate look good on the trail. They're related to the campaign. But they're not reportable. If the Trump organization paid bonuses to employees, it might improve Mr. Trump's image, helping his re-election prospects. Could those bonuses be paid with campaign funds? No. Every charitable expenditure made by the Clinton Foundation arguably assisted Hillary's run for president. Campaign expenditures? No. The Clintons famously conducted polls on where to vacation. The polls were probably campaign expenses. But how about the trips? Were they? And how about Stormy Daniels? There are many reasons, including personal and commercial ones, while Mr. Trump might want to keep allegations of extramarital affairs out of the press. Ms. Daniels claims that when she first tried to sell her story in 2011, she was threatened by a man in a Las Vegas parking lot, quote, leave Trump alone, forget the story. If true, it shows that her silence was desired long before Mr. Trump ran. The New Yorker published a story claiming to provide, quote, a detailed look at how Trump and his allies use clandestine hotel room meetings, payoffs, 
and complex legal agreements to keep affairs out of the press. If true, this also suggests a pattern outside the campaign. Campaign contributions should not become politicians' personal slush funds. Many ardent anti-Trumpers sincerely believe that the president is a threat to the rule of law. The real threat to the rule of law, however, comes from abusing laws to get a political opponent. Some matters are for the voters to decide, and that's Bradley Smith. And I want to really drill down on this because he is a true expert as a former chairman of the Federal Election Commission. And they're bringing in people to say this is an in-kind contribution, and clearly the prosecutors in the Southern District of New York getting a referral from the prosecutors with the special counsel trying to create, trying to concoct a legal, in fact, a criminal basis for their investigation. That any money that was paid to silence women, quote-unquote, is an in-kind contribution that should have been reported and therefore violates our banking laws, violates the uh, wiring statutes, the wire statutes, is nuts. When I come back, we'll discuss it further. Professor Bradley Smith, former chairman of the Federal Election Commission. How are you, sir? I'm good, Mark. How are you? I'm very good. I, I want to really dig down into this in plain English so the public really understands what's taking place. It would appear that uh, a rather extraordinary search was done with a warrant of the president's private lawyer's office, home, and a hotel room his family's staying in because his home apparently is being remodeled. And they gobbled up, among other things, attorney-client privileged information. If we read correctly from the New York Times, information is being leaked to them about the warrant and what's being investigated. And at least for the most part, it seems to be focused on monies that were given to one or more women uh, to supposedly keep them quiet. And you have people running around saying this is an in-kind contribution to a campaign. Uh, You have leaks coming from the prosecutors or surrogates for the prosecutors to the media saying the same thing. And that the transfer of these funds from Cohen... Uh, results in bank fraud and wire fraud and all the rest. So I want to get unravel this, get right back to the nub of it. And that is these monies. You write in the Wall Street Journal today, wait a minute, these aren't in-kind contributions. Tell us what you mean. Well, look, um, under campaign finance law, I mean, you and I both despise, I think, campaign finance law. I think it's an infringement of the First Amendment and so on. But here's the bottom line. The purpose of those laws is to prevent corruption. And one way in which campaign finance contributions or campaign contributions are different from bribes is that you have to use them to get elected. You can't use them to buy yourself, you know, grandfather clocks or fur coats or Rolex watches or something like that. And the FEC standard for that has traditionally been that you can't use uh, your campaign money for personal use. And what they mean by that is you can't use it for something that you'd have to pay anyway, something that's not directly for your campaign. So the question here is, uh, is this really a campaign obligation? None of these expenditures helped Mr. Trump's campaign. There's all kinds of reasons why he might want to make these expenditures, even if the allegations of Stormy Daniels are totally untrue, just for family harmony, commercial viability over the long term. 
And historically, the FEC has said these things are not campaign contributions. Uh, if they were, if this were, or if these were campaign expenditures, you would actually would have to pay them from campaign funds, which is really rather ironic when you consider that one of the charges against Richard Nixon in Watergate was that he was using campaign funds to pay people hush money. So that's the basic thing. Not everything that might conceivably affect a political race is a campaign contribution or expenditure. And we wouldn't want that to be the case because everything at some level can affect campaigns. We need to keep campaign finance law limited to stuff that is actually directly about campaigning. So what you're saying is, look, if if I embrace the argument that this is an in-kind contribution, well, it could have been a direct contribution then, too. In other words, you raise monies to run for office, to campaign, and then what people seem to be saying is the president could have paid for this through his campaign funds as long as it was properly reported. Am I, am I catching right. this right? I think that's what people are saying. Uh, you, you know, they seem to be saying that, be, well, and they seem to be saying that if Cohen made the uh, payments, tr- uh, Trump's lawyer, if he made these payments, it's a contribution to the campaign in some way because it helped his campaign. But, you know, lots of things help the campaign. I mean, suppose that Trump pays out Christmas bonuses this year, right? That might make people think, you know, that Trump, he's a, he's a good guy. I, I like the fact that he's paying out Christmas bonuses to his employees. And, of course, he's a candidate now already for reelection. Should he be able to pay bonuses to Trump Enterprises employees with campaign contributions? You know, I don't think so. And, and by the way, note, although not many people use the government funding option anymore, there is still a position or the possibility that presidential candidates can get money from the government. So conceivably, if the president wanted to do that, he could take money from the government and then use it to pay his hush money or to pay uh, bonuses to his employees at Trump Enterprises or to, you know, uh, buy Melania a nice gift uh, saying, well, this was all campaign-related because I needed to, to look good for the, for the campaign. So this argument that this is an illegal in-kind contribution, and it wasn't reported on top of that, uh, from an individual, his private lawyer, because he was trying to silence this ex-porn star, maybe she's still a porn star for all I know, this porn star, uh, in order to help his campaign, you're saying, wait a minute, that's not what that means. It's not a direct contribution or a direct in-kind contribution to a campaign. This has nothing to do with that. Exactly, exactly. As usual, you're, you're more succinct than I am. No. And so, people, what, what, what about people who say, well, look, now, wait a minute, a federal judge issued a warrant, and so forth and so on. But federal judges aren't necessarily experts on campaign finance law. There's nobody there to explain it to them, right? It's the federal prosecutors making their point. Well, I, I think that's right. I mean, it, plus, I don't know what was in the warrant. Uh, you know, we don't know that. I think, right. you know, everybody should always be very uncomfortable when uh, government officials uh, start searching lawyers for people. Now, maybe that they think Cohen himself did something wrong, but, but that's something to be very nervous about. But you're exactly right. In the end, we don't know what's in that warrant. And moreover, the, you know, to a lot of people, it's very plausible, plausible to say, oh, this sounds like, well, it could be a campaign expenditure. One thing I point out is that and, and this wouldn't be known normally to a judge who's not dealing with this, is that when the FEC wrote the regulation that, that says what constitutes campaign expenditures and what constitutes personal use, it rejected specifically the idea that 
uh, a campaign expenditure was anything related to, to a campaign, and instead says it has to be something that exists only because of the campaign and solely for that reason. So again, that's something a judge probably wouldn't know, and, and I think uh, uh, is, is an important... Uh, now listen to this. This is from the New York Times today, Professor. The disclosure comes a day after it was revealed that the authorities also sought documents from Mr. Cohen related to payments made to two women who claimed they had affairs with Mr. Trump, as well as information on the role of the publisher of the National Enquirer in silencing the women. The new details from the warrant reveal that prosecutors are keenly interested in Mr. Cohen's unofficial role in the Trump campaign. All right, unofficial role, so they're trying to get around attorney-client privilege. But that said... If you were the president's lawyer, wouldn't you march into this federal courtroom today or I guess tomorrow and say, you know what? We seek a protective order on anything that involves my client. We want to know what this warrant says. We want to be in a position to challenge this. Well, I'm not a criminal defense guy, but that sounds like something that would be worth considering. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because the the in-kind contribution, I mean, this again, these are leaks to The New York Times where they're kind of telling us, you're right, we don't know everything. Certainly you haven't seen the warrant, but apparently parts of the warrant are being leaked to the New York Times. And, uh, and what they're pointing out here is that, yes, this is related to Access Hollywood, the silencing of women, these payments, and in-kind contributions. I just want to be clear. And you're saying, whoa, 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 wait a minute. These are not what was meant by in-kind contributions. I just want to underscore this point. Right. I'm saying these are not in-kind contributions as intended by the Campaign Finance Reform Act or the the Federal Election Campaign Act. And moreover, they're not as specifically defined in the regulations that the FEC has issued to interpret the act. And it's very, very dangerous when we start stretching stretching laws like this because we want to get somebody. You know, we seem to be operating from this premise over and over that there must be a violation here. So now let's figure out what law applies, and this looks like one that might vaguely apply, so people uh, are, are rushing to it and trying to claim it's a campaign finance violation. Just like earlier they were talking about the emoluments clause or yeah, right. they were, you know, some of these other things. Professor Bradley Smith, you're terrific. I appreciate you writing this. I appreciate you coming on. You take care of yourself. Mark, it's always a pleasure. Thanks. We'll be right back. If you turn off your radio and open the window, you can probably hear him straight from the studio. Call Mark Levin at 877-381-3811. This is why I say over and over again, these prosecutors are not judges. They're not oracles. They're prosecutors. Some are better than others. Some are more ethical than others. Some are smarter than others. And in the case of judges... Obviously, the magistrate who issued the warrant at the request of the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York had no idea what he or she was doing. You just heard the chairman of the Federal Election Commission in an exclusive interview. Every conservative media outlet should cover that interview, which he said these kinds of payments were never intended to be in-kind contributions. The idea that they're campaign contributions is preposterous. There's a whole panoply of things that could affect an election that have nothing to do with donations or in-kind donations. That the FEC never would have intended something like this to be a campaign donation. 
In the New York Times, of course, they write, federal prosecutors are investigating Mr. Cohen for possible bank fraud, but they're also scrutinizing whether these efforts amounted to improper campaign donations to Mr. Trump. You know, prosecutors aren't smarter than any other lawyers. Some cases, they're dumber. Some cases, they're smarter. But apparently, we have a raft of stupid ones. Or, aggressive, without knowledge. And so, they're trying to make the case that payments, or in this case, to Stormy Daniels, a payment, was an in-kind campaign contribution and illegal. And as best as we can tell, because only the media are getting pieces of these warrants, uh, of this warrant being leaked to them, uh, nobody's making it public to you and me, so we try and, you know, connect the dots and read through these these articles, because we're being fed propaganda, so we do our best to try and and take a look at this rationally. You see how they have bootstrapped this. And so now they've grabbed every damn document in this guy's office, as well as his electronic devices, quote-unquote, his computers and iPads and phones and anything else they can get their hands on, and in his home and in this hotel where the family's staying as he remodels his house. Because you see, they're investigating bank fraud and wire fraud. Oh, my God! It's bank fraud and wire fraud! Oh, get the guy! Get him! Get him! We don't know that. Maggie Haberman and Matt Apuzo and Michael Schmidt have no idea what the federal election laws are. They didn't ask Mr. Smith because they don't agree with Mr. Smith. The prosecutors or surrogates for them are spoon-feeding this stuff to the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN, and the others, and they're happily eating it and then regurgitating it because they hate Trump. Now, Maggie Haberman at the New York Times, whether she listens to this show or not, she will now know what the former chairman of the FEC had to say about this in-kind contribution. Will the New York Times publish that? Will the Washington Post publish that? Will CNN report on that? I doubt it. I doubt it very much. The former chairman of the FEC telling us what was meant? And what it doesn't mean, and just think of it logically, how absurd it is. That if somebody's being paid to keep their mouth shut about an extramarital, uh, mar- uh, marriage, extramarital affair, excuse me, because they don't want it to hurt their campaign, that that's an in-kind campaign contribution? An in-kind campaign contribution would be, for instance, if you buy a billboard for somebody and you pay for it, And you need to report it as an in-kind contribution. It's the same as money. Or if you buy bumper stickers for a campaign. Or things of that sort. Nothing to do with personal conduct like this. Nothing whatsoever. An in-kind contribution, as the uh, former chairman points out, well, an in-kind contribution. So in other words, you're allowed to make contributions out of your campaign funds for personal things like this? He said, of course not. And he's right. Of course not. Oh, you don't understand. It's an in-kind contribution because it helped the campaign. He kept the woman quiet and blah, blah, blah. And you get these lawyers, either with no experience or frauds, like this other FEC member, liberal left-wing Democrat, 
You know, I think it's an in-kind contribution. Well, run with that. Run with that one, Maggie. That tells us the story we want. So now we have the New York Times, three reporters who are mouthpieces for the prosecutors. They don't question them. They don't see what the law is all about. They don't care. They sit there by their damn phone. They're fed the information, and they repeat it. That's not a reporter. That's an idiot. That's not a serious person. That's an idiot. Let me tell you about Chamonix. Ladies and gentlemen, sure, you could have surgery to look younger. Now, why on earth would you do that? Listen to Joanne from Connecticut. She wrote, my husband looks 10 years younger using Genesil. He saw results in the first day he used it. I have also had remarkable results, she said. Can't be without it. Now, I know Chamonix products work. I have family members who use it. I told you about my good friend Teddy. He uses them. He loves them. Every time I see the guy, he brings it up. I actually saw a jar, too. He said, look at this. Look what I have. Now, imagine the bags and puffiness under your eyes gone. That's years off your appearance. Genesel by Chamonix is an easy choice. Genesel contains natural ingredients for incredible results safely and quickly. It's as simple as that. In fact, with immediate effects, you'll see results like Joanne's in as little as 12 hours or your money back, guaranteed. Now, this is a big deal. Listen to this. You'll see results in as little as 12 hours or your money back, guaranteed. Nobody does that. And right now, it's the perfect time to try Chamonix's brand new Genesel eyelid for droopy, sagging eyelids. Order Genesel today and get the brand new Genesel eyelid lift absolutely free. Go to Genesel.com, that's Genesel.com, or better yet, call their toll-free number, 800-SKIN-604. Call now, and express shipping, also free. 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or go to Genesel.com, that's 800-SKIN-604. All right. We've covered a lot of territory, and I think very, very thoroughly. I think the uh, interview with Bradley Smith and what he's written is very, very important. Very important. Brian, Atlanta, Georgia, the great W-Y-A-Y. Go. Hey, Mark. Um, what an honor to get on your show. I've Thank you, sir. CR, been a CRTV subscriber from the get-go. So. Tell everybody. Do you like it? Seriously. Oh, I absolutely love it. Um, and and the, the program expands all the time, so there's more and more great shows out there. Thank but truthfully, you. I'll just tune into yours. So, well, there you go, Levin TV. Appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, I'm just calling, and I think y'all talked about a little bit that they're coming after our president for $130,000 hush money for sexual misconduct when they would, could just turn left out of their front door right in D.C. and go up to the street to Congress, where they've had paid $15 million in hush money. Now, isn't that an interesting point? I mean, in fact, that is a great point. They used our taxpayer dollars to silence women who were accusing members of Congress of sexual harassment. And nobody has charged them with federal campaign violations, Brian. That is a great point. Yeah, absolutely. And, and my, my, the second point I have to make is on the no-knock warrant. I tell you who needs to get one of those in their hand, and that's Cohen and Jordan, and because there was people withholding 
all those documents from them. If anybody's shredding anything, it's probably those folks right in D.C. The problem is the people who do the no-knock warrants are the people who have the documents. Exactly. So so it makes it tough. Well, we can't have a special counsel for that, you know. No, no. No, no. We need to investigate Russia collusion. Well, there isn't any. Well, then we need to investigate everything else. Yeah, amen to that. All right, Brian. Great call. I appreciate it, man. Let's continue. Jonathan, Washington, D.C., the great WMAL. Go. Hello? All right, Andy, Chicago, Illinois, Sirius Satellite. Go. Mark, thanks for taking my call. I had a question I haven't heard anybody bring up. Most yes. lawyers have an escrow account for their bigger clients where hmm. they have a fund of money that they can pull from to take care of costs. I would think somebody with Trump's wealth has a fairly large escrow account with his lawyer that his lawyer has full right to use to solve issues like this. Well, I don't. I, uh, he used an equity fund of his own, apparently. Um, I'm not an expert on how this was done. So there may be an escrow account. There may not be. But that's apparently how he paid it. Okay. And I hadn't heard that one, but thank you for clarifying it. Definitely, I thought your last caller, Brian, made an excellent point. He really did, didn't he? It he was, was quite good. I haven't heard anybody say it. I'm listening. I'm going, damn, that was a great point, Brian. Holy crap. So well, thanks for taking my call, Mark, and you have a great evening. You too, Andy. God bless. The point Brian made was this. If Michael Cohen, Trump's personal lawyer, making a payment of $130,000 is an in-kind contribution, that payment made to Stormy Daniels, then how can it be, says Brian, that payments made with our tax dollars in settlements by members of Congress who who were accused of sexual harassment How are those not in-kind contributions? That is a great point. Now, none of them are in-kind contributions. But the point is, if you're going to be investigating, you're going to get a warrant against the president's lawyer and, among other reasons, to investigate that. How is it possible that members of Congress who've used, quote-unquote, hush money in settlements are tax dollars? And in some cases, not our tax dollars. How is it possible that those aren't in-kind contributions because it helps them in their re-election effort? That was a great point by Brian. Ken, Detroit, Michigan, how are you, sir? Yeah, I'm just calling to say, Mark, now I'm an independent conservative, and I do predict, and I say you're right, that the Republicans are in for a big uh, disaster come the next election because I am staying home, and others that I've spoken to are staying home. Well, let me say this. I'm not encouraging that. I'm certainly not uh, leading that effort. I I want the Democrats to lose, but I think the Republicans have very, very badly hurt themselves. Well, the reasons why that I am staying home is that I'm a Christian, and I am very upset with the fact that they allowed Planned Parenthood to continue to be funded. I'm upset that the Republicans continue to spend more money than we are taking in. Are you concerned that the President of the United States, who has taken a very strong pro-life position and wants to appoint more pro-life judges to the court, won't be able to do so if the Democrats win the House uh, win the Senate. 
this does concern me. I do know that if Donald Trump won, uh, runs for president again, I will vote for him. Yes, but the appointment of judges is a, a two-branch process. The president nominates, and the Senate either confirms or rejects. And I can assure you, if Chuck Schumer takes control of the Senate, there will be no more, no more judges who will wind up on the courts who share your, your view of religious liberty. They just won't. Well, Mark, well, Mark, the Republicans have to understand that because of my religious beliefs, there's no room for me to compromise. And because of Planned Parenthood, which I cannot compromise because from my- Listen, are you gonna, you're going to vote what you believe. I'm saying you are compromising because you're ensuring that there will not be judges on the court uh, who share your view of the Constitution. And this does uh, concern me, Mark, but for me, since abortion is murder, and since the Republican-controlled Congress approved a budget that said we're going to fund Planned Parenthood, this is a big problem with me and other Christian friends of mine. Well, listen, I'm not Christian, but I oppose abortion. And these are things that we all have to struggle with. And I'm saying that it's not so black and white, because I understand they're funding Planned Parenthood, but I also understand we've got we to gotta have the right people in the courts, and that's something you're going to have to struggle with too, right? I agree with you, but I, I'm just saying it's unfortunate, but it's just the reality that people... Look, they hurt themselves. I, I know it, and I, I'm concerned about it, and I, I, I understand there are people like you who are not going to turn out and vote, and this is going to be a big problem. And even more than that, there are people on the Democrat side... We're going to turn out in large numbers, and they have been turning out in large numbers. And there used to be talk show hosts that said, don't worry about it. This is to be expected. And I said back then, I'm worried about it a lot because I saw what took place in my own state, in my own community. And people were turning out that never turned out before and candidates lost who were considered safe. All right, my friend, I appreciate your input very much. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Actually, I have a great idea, America. Sunday at 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Pacific Time, George Stephanopoulos, the former Clinton hitman, turned ABC liberal hitman, will be conducting the first interview with Jim Comey in his fictional book. And they're already hyping it over there at ABC. Oh, my God. We, The staff, we heard the interview. Our jaws hit the ground. We couldn't believe what we heard. Don't believe that crap. So I have an idea. Don't watch it. There's another show on at 10 p.m. Sunday. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Sunday, Pacific Time. My show on the Fox News Channel. So don't watch Comey. Watch me. What's wrong with that, Mr. Producer? And I'll tell you the truth. I don't leak to the New York Times. I don't leak to law professors who leak to the New York Times. I don't undermine investigations. I don't obstruct investigations. It's just me. So bookmark that. Don't forget, 10 p.m. Sunday, Fox, not ABC. You know, we learned that Saks Fifth Avenue and Lord & Taylor were breached, exposing consumers' financial information. Facebook shared information on 50 million users. 
Now, there have been breaches at FedEx, Equifax, Aetna, Expedia. Well, where haven't there been breaches? Nearly every week, personal information is compromised somewhere. So listen, if you go online or use credit cards, you are vulnerable. And I'm not taking any chances. I'm covered by my ID care, and so are my parents. We moved up. We've moved up to my ID care. Get covered now for less than 10 bucks a month at myidcare.com. Use promo code MARK, and you'll even get 15% off. You can't expect the government to protect you. They can't protect themselves. Get your own protection. MyIDCare.com, promo code MARK, or call 866-334-3084. That's 866-334-3084, or MyIDCare.com, promo code MARK. MyIDCare covers me and my parents from nine types of identity theft and provides a 100% identity recovery guarantee if a customer does fall victim, or your money back. You can't get this level of protection anywhere else. Trust who I trust. Learn more. Get 15% off. MyIDCare.com, promo code MARK, or call 866-334-3084, 866-334-3084. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Check out our brand-new Levin TV tonight. I hope you enjoyed the program. It was filled with substance. And I'll see you tomorrow. God bless.